0: I have a lot of young people who ask me, how do I get to know someone? What are the boundaries? Am I allowed to talk in private? When can I, when can I not? Um, Do the parents have to know? Am I allowed to talk on the internet? Uh, What are the limits if I can? What are the things that I should be talking about? If I go to meet her, she meets me, in what, what are the circumstances? What should we talk about? What are the questions I should ask? What are the topics that we should talk about before I get married? Some people ask me, is marriage necessary? Do I have to get married? Is it haram not to get married? Uh, questions like, how do I get engaged? How do I ask for uh, you know, a potential spouse? Some sisters say, can I propose to the brother? So let's answer these questions and look at them, inshallah, and share this piece of knowledge. My brothers and sisters, so steps to getting to know someone for marriage in Islam. The first thing I want to talk about is the ruling of marriage. Is marriage compulsory or what is the story with it? Brothers and sisters, getting married has five cases and five rulings. Five. The first case, it's compulsory. You have to. The second case, it's recommended. You don't have to, but better. The third case, it's neither recommended nor disliked. It's neutral. You want to do it. Do it. You don't want to. That's fine. The fourth case is it's disliked recommended not to get married. And the fifth case, it's forbidden to get married. So what are these cases? These scholars, a lot of people don't know this. The cases have been already, this is a past dealt with issue in the books of Fiqh and jurisprudence. The marriage is compulsory when you have the means, the financial, physical and mental capacity to get married and you have a high testosterone level or a temptation level, or a lustful level that you fear you're going to fall into haram. You're going to fall into what we call fornication, zina. You're going to go out with a girl and do things, or the other way around. What do I mean by the other way around? A sister. So if you have the financial means, and you're ready, you're mature enough, mentally enough, physically enough, financially enough, and you fear that you're going to fall into haram, then it becomes compulsory to get married, or you have already close to falling into haram, or you're on the steps of falling to haram, and you know yourself that if you don't get married, you don't have a a partner soon to have halal intimacy with them, then it becomes compulsory for that person to get married. Number two is recommended, and that is when you do have the means, there's nothing stopping you, you have the financial means, you have the ability, but your uh, temptations, You don't fear upon yourself. You have control over yourself. You're not falling into haram and you're not in the steps of haram. So you're not in that case. You have good control over yourself. It's recommended to get married. The neutral way is when your finances are okay and your temptations are okay, but your finances are not too high and your temptations are not too high, but they're not too low, imbalanced. Then for this type of a person, and usually this neutral way is for more for older people that really just want a marriage for um, companionship and some intimacy, but not too much. These people, it's neutral. Everyone knows themselves. The disliked one is when a person does not have enough finances, but can get by day to day, can get by minimum, and their temptations are so low that they know themselves... they fear that they won't be able to satisfy a woman. So in this case, it becomes disliked, but they're not very sure of themselves. It's quite low. And the haram stage is when they are unable to provide for a family, that if they were to get get married, they know that they are going to cause oppression. They're going to victimize that lady that they're going to get married. So obviously because the man is responsible for financial uh, uh, provision and protection of the wife, Therefore, he is unable to provide for her. If he gets married to her, he's going to oppress her. Um, And their temptations are low. So these people, it's haram for them to get married. They should fast. Now, some people, they might mix between. They might say, my finances are low. uh, If I get married, I might harm her, but my temptations are so high. What do we do in these situations? We say getting married to her and not getting married is better. Because oppression and zulm is worse. Some scholars said, if you have support, get married. Or find another way of waiting. Because this is in the Quran. Allah says, whoever does not find the means to protect themselves from falling into... So whoever does not have the means to get married, If control yourself, hold yourself, find some other means. Prophet said, fast if it helps you until you are able to get married. Because dhulam, oppression, is one of the major sins. Even higher than a person committing a minor sin or has a fear of falling into temptations. Dhulam of a person is worse. So it's better, if you can, to wait. So, brothers and sisters, what you need to understand is that there are these five cases. Marriage is not always compulsory, not always recommended. Sometimes it's actually disliked, sometimes very neutral. Sometimes it's um, haram. Especially it's haram if a person has no drive whatsoever and they're not going to be able to fulfill their the wife's need who they marry let's say someone who is in the dislike stage disliked let's say they just want to get married to someone for companionship but they don't really want to do much more than that this person has to tell that person they're going to get married to that this is what they're like so you might be asking are there men that way are there women that way yeah there are people who are born with hormonal imbalances and there are those types there are men who are a bit more feminine and women are a bit more mascul- masculine and this is genetically correct even in islam we know this so in these are the five cases i hope inshallah i'll just leave it at that because that's not the main topic but inshallah if you want to research more it's there's heaps of that inshallah and in all the schools of thought you can look it up inshallah um uh, from your reputable sources islam web islam q a for example and many other reputable websites Number two, brothers and sisters, the second thing I want to talk about is I want to advise you about how to search for a spouse and what are the boundaries and limits in accordance with Islam. In saying that, I need to talk about the reality of this world as well. For me to sit here and tell you the traditional, traditional way, like the way they used to live in the past in Mecca and Medina, is impractical. I'm not going to sit here making life so hard and telling you that you've got to live like them. It would be ideal that there is no communication between men and women who are not related to each other and the way to get to know her or him is to go straight to the father when you hear about them and that's the first place you see her and you talk and under supervision and so on and so forth but in reality in our life we have social media we have the internet you talk to the young people teenagers and if i'm going to sit there say don't talk you can't talk Boy can't talk to girl girl can't talk to boy they might say to me inshallah but they're gonna think it's normal boys talk to girls girls talk to boys isn't that right in school they have group chats in the school they're all together they talk to sit there and say don't talk it's not really gonna work that's the reality some people may get upset with me and say why are you saying this inshallah it's better to avoid it brothers and sisters but I'm saying in reality In reality, people do talk. So instead of just cutting it off and them doing it behind our backs, let's talk about a solution. Let's talk about employing it. Let's direct them. Let's guide them. The idea with teenagers, if you're a parent, is to discuss with them. Why, daughter? Why, son? What are the fears? What are the ramifications? What are the consequences of chatting with you know, the, the, with you know boys and girls chatting together on the internet and, and so on. Talk about the fears and ramifications. Let them think. Have a discussion. Because you can't have control over, especially with teenagers, you have less control over them. So, the scholars of today have spoken and said, look, the minimum, minimum, if a person truly has good intentions for marriage and they can talk with the person respectfully they know themselves and they can uh, respect the boundary so it doesn't become inappropriate between them and it's truly for marriage they can talk necessarily as much as it needs to be but to try their best to move from that step to the next step some sisters ask me when is a guy when how do i know a guy is playing me how do i know a guy is just wasting my time we say well there are a few signs one of the signs is, well, one, one person said to me, bro, it's easy. Just tell her to tell him, um, this is my dad's number, give my dad a call, we'll talk over there. That's the easy way. And that's the way to know if he's serious or not. If he starts wiggling around, making excuses, you know, he's not really serious. But then there are some brothers, they say, look, let me just talk for a bit and just before I go and make everything serious, they're very scared. They start getting stomach aches and they start getting all these problems. I understand. And, you know, you can try. Uh, the sister knows that he's playing her or her thing. when she asks important questions. You know, like, um, look, I'll only talk twice or three times. I am interested in marriage. But after that, you know, I, uh, I'm going to tell my parents about this. And then if he starts wiggling around and changing the appointments and wants to keep talking and talking, then you know that this guy is trying to play games. Honestly, brothers, look. Look at your own sister or your own daughter. How would you like them to be treated? So really, you've got to use the brain rather than here or somewhere else. You need to use the brain. Brothers and sisters, it's very important that we respect each other. So these are the types of people when, and also when they are very, they hide everything. Yeah, so they're very private. They won't give, you know, they won't say who they are really. Sometimes they use nicknames. Um, they ask pressing questions and the guy doesn't really, is always hiding, or the girl is always hiding things. So you can tell that they're wiggling around. This is just playing games. This is not serious. My brothers and sisters, I advise you, please stay away from these types of toying with each other. I don't want to start with all the stories because I want to get to the important part. However, there are many stories out there where things went really wrong. Shame is going down the drain. Shame is going down the drain. Self-respect, modesty, everything that was considered uh, harmful to each other from a sexual sense has become normalized. We don't have to be like that. Allah created us, those sisters are his property, Allah's property, he created them and we are Allah's property, we have to respect Allah's property we have to respect them I have seen many young people where they start chit-chatting and talking and they keep going on and on where do you think it's going to take you after two or three or four chats? it's going to lead to something else, if you don't start taking it seriously the joking starts coming in, the sensual talk comes in, you start to let your hair down I've heard about, you know, sisters who come crying to me saying, young, girl, young you know, ladies, teenagers, they come for counselling and talk to me because I, I teach them and some of them who are older adults, they say to me, you know, this guy, I thought he was interested, he asked me for some pictures, I sent pictures without my hijab and I sent other things and then the guy just left me or uh, was lying to me. Some of them, they say, I found those shared my pictures with um, friends and with other people and really, that's, that's often what is happening. My advice to you, brothers and sisters, is this. First of all, to the sister, one of the best ways, if he starts talking like that, say, well, you know, would you accept for your sister to talk the way we're talking? Test him out. See if this is okay. Since you're talking to them, test him out. Now, I'm not talking about when friends at school talk to each other. You've got a group chat, boys and girls talk about the weather or studies. It's not haram to do that. So long as everything is in boundaries, inshallah, and you're not private, only together. So it's okay. Sometimes you may text each other, even privately, what have we got for work tomorrow? If it's innocent, respectful, it's still okay. But my advice to you is, share this with your parents, like talk to your mum and dad, or just talk to your mother if you're a teenager, and just let them be on your side in the picture, because they can give you great advice. Okay? Um, and obviously there are exceptions, some parents are can be violent or something so you got to be careful with that uh, but in general if it's something respectful and innocent one off two off something about study something it's not a big deal inshallah in islam it's not a sin however when it comes to marriage and you're serious about it my advice to you brothers and sisters is do not approach marriage until you are ready don't sit there like you're in uh, you're still 16, 17 years old, you're probably not going to get married until five, six, seven years later and you want to hold on to that person and say they're going to go away. You're not going to get married until six years later. You're not serious right now. No one's going to go to anyone's house. No one's going to tell the parents. No one's going to take anything seriously. So what are you going to do in five or six years? I'm talking to Muslims here because there are non-Muslims who want to understand what I'm I'm saying. However, in Islam, we still hold on to these values, alhamdulillah, the respect between the man and the woman when it comes to physical contact and sexuality we still have that alhamdulillah and christianity used to be back in the 50s i remember watching a uh, an interview with a young girl who was 15 or 16 subhanallah in the 50s vintage type of uh, uh, audio um, interview and she says i will never have a boyfriend ever i will stay a virgin until i get married these were the principles throughout history but only now after the 60s and 70s did we have Nudity and, and shamelessness and all this sexuality start to come out, subhanallah. Brothers and sisters, it's very important when you're ready, inshallah, make the move. If you're not ready, what are you doing? Four, five, six, seven years. Allahu A'lam, what's going to happen in that time? My advice to you is when you're ready financially, mentally, physically, then inshallah, make the move. And inshallah, ta'ala, there's little room to keep mucking around, keep spending time. I said, M. Mucking, that's an Aussie word. Please don't misunderstand me. So stop fiddling around and playing around games. Get, get serious, inshallah, as much as you can. Brothers and sisters, let's move on to the next path, inshallah. I'll leave some room for questions later on because I know I'm just touching on every bit and I know that you've got questions. Uh Bismillah. Marriage here in Australia, I have to say that by law, you have to be 18 to get married. And you need a court order if you're 16. So there has to be a reason to get married. You can go and get a court approval if you're 16 to get married. All right, so I have to say that it's illegal to get married under that age. But here's the point. When you're ready, inshallah, make the move. Number three, brothers and sisters, seeing the potential spouse. A lot of people ask me, if I'm interested in someone, especially men, they say, what can I see of her? Am I allowed to go and see her hair? Am I allowed to ask if she wears hijab? Can, can she? I mean, this day and age, subhanAllah, nearly everything is already out there, right? Do you agree with me? Nearly everything is out there, seriously, I have to be honest. Social media is full of our sisters and brothers already out there. Really, there's, there's nothing left to the imagination these days. But let's get technical if you do find somebody who is fully clothed in the way that you know the hijab should be and um, you want to see her without a hijab for example are you allowed for the purpose of marriage the answer to that is the majority of scholars say you can only see her face and hands but there is the Hanbali school which I follow and other scholars traditional scholars who said that based on the evidence In the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ when he said to Jabir, a companion, see of her what would entice you to marry her. What are you looking for? And the scholars said, the middle opinion, is that you can see of her with her wali's permission. Who is the wali? The wali is her father. Or a brother, somebody who is in her family, who is a man. To see of her, or with her permission, see of her, her hair, her arms, and a bit of her legs, her neck, of what her brother or father or uncle can see. What can a father or uncle see below, from the knees and below, the arms up to the shoulders, the neck area, and the hair and ears, those are the things that the father and brother are really technically should see of, of their daughter or their, or their sister and so on. Even some scholars, this is a minority opinion, but it is, it's unfounded. They say that you can see more than that and We say no, there's no, the majority of scholars, and obviously the evidence is not there. So you can't just, because there'll be use and abuse after that. So anyway, the point is, it is recommended in Islam to see the person you want to marry. Meet them, talk to them, and take your time, brothers and sisters. Take your time in meeting and getting to know the spouse, the potential spouse. Don't rush it. That's my advice to you, crucial advice. Take your time. Until, inshallah, you've gone through the questions and the discussions and the investigations. When I say investigation, I'm not saying like a police or interrogator. You're nice, friendly, respectful research about one another. You have to. Don't leave it till after you get married. Do all the research that you need to do that you would like to know about before you get married. I'll give you a hint. They are the things which if you did not know about them and then knew about them later on in the marriage... It would be detrimental for you. You would most likely start to leave the marriage or it will cause tension in your marriage. You need to look for those things. And that means every person knows themselves. What is it that's important to you in the marriage? What is it that's important to you in that potential wife or that potential husband? Know yourself first. Know what your values are. Know what you're looking for. Know what you can handle and what you cannot handle. Look at your own family and think, okay, what, 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 what's a good husband or wife for me in the family dynamics that I have? What's a good husband or wife for me in the way that I am? My ambitions, my goals, who I am, how I spend my time. You know, all these things. Know yourself and then count about six or seven of them and say, okay, these are my seven crucial red lines. If they exist, I can't go ahead with the marriage. One brother, he said to me, brother, for me, it's uh if she doesn't have hijab i say, okay for you brother then i advise you to marry someone who already has the hijab that's the safest thing says what if she promises and wants to wear the hijab i go alhamdulillah that's good you can still go ahead i go but your chances are less now i know i do marriages for people and i can see sometimes my advice i'm not saying you have to my advice to you as your brother look for what you really want and look for that person who's already like that that's my advice to you you don't have to go by it but from my experience in marrying people a lot and counseling them whatever you're looking for that's important to you go and look for it that's already there and established changing someone or someone promising you they will change is less likely to happen and if it happens most people do it for for you or you do it for them when the love starts to fluctuate or you go into conflicts those things they changed often they leave it those are the first things they leave out because they did it for you or you did it for them and i've seen this happen a lot where people said i changed my life for you i did this even if it's let's say praying someone starts praying and you get into the marriage and says MashaAllah, allah i'm praying we're going to go to jannah together conflicts happen says so the first thing they leave is prayer why because they have a resentment They say, I changed for you, I don't want to remember it. Some people do that, subhanAllah. And some people are sincere. I've seen people, mashallah, they're genuine and sincere. But my advice to you, and you don't have to take it, is look for the person that you already want, and just if it's established. If you can, as much as you can. If not, inshallah, you just need to have more conversations about it, and whatever happens later on, you can't put too much blame. So I know, for example, you know, a... uh, a brother who got married to a sister who didn't have the hijab, and she said, "Inshallah, one day." And then two, three, four, five years passed, and still she wasn't ready. And he started getting frustrated, calling me and says, "I want a divorce." I said, "Brother, you got to take it easy. You came and married this sister. She's a good wife to you. She's a good uh, daughter to her family. She's respectful. She, you know, you got kids. She treats them." He goes, "Yes." I said, "Look, you know, you got married with that risk. You're going to have to be patient with that. Inshallah, make dua and continue with her, so long as." You know, you've got kids, you've got love between you. Inshallah, make dua. Inshallah, you'll get there. One, one sister said he doesn't wake up for fajr. I said, SubhanAllah, and did you know that before? She said, Yes. But he said he'll change in time. I said, Make dua for him. Inshallah, you have kids. Does he treat you well? Does he look after you? Does he protect you? She says, Yes. I said, Look, just make dua for him. Keep advising him and let him be. So, in these situations, brothers sisters, you've got to understand you're taking a bit of a risk and that it just needs, you need to be patient later on. Brothers and sisters, having said this, I talked about online if it's respectful and I would like to advise teenagers and people who have been married before or adults people who are adults you know talking about 27 30 years old because younger people still lack it or if you have experience in relationships before maybe you've been married before speaking to somebody and you initiating it is more acceptable and it would work because Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi even said al- uh, he said uh, uh, if a woman for example has been married before he said she has more right over herself and knows herself better than her wali than her father or her brother or whoever it is so initiating and asking for marriage and looking for marriage and speaking to someone with respect is allowed but my advice to you is that if you don't have experience much you're still very young if you're a teenager or you're 19, you're 20, you're 21 get your parents involved as fast as you can they will advise you better, brothers and sisters. Because I've seen a lot of young people, before, before the logic kicks in, their emotions kick in. And when the emotions kick in, they can be very deluding. Emotions can be very deluding, Especially when istikhara comes in. It gets more complicated. You know istikhara? People start to attach. Because what happens is the emotions delude you to think that the istikhara and the dreams that you are having and the feelings that you are having are really from God. But really it's your feelings and emotions and your attachments. So, anybody who meets someone for too long, what happens is that their attachments get too strong. And when the attachment gets too strong, you, be, you can't think up here very well. Without going too much detail in that, I'm just giving you that little piece of advice, inshaAllah ta'ala. Next, the ways you can find somebody, you can approach that person, you can ask them in a non-threatening way, in a non um, freaky way, in a non awkward way, um, non creepy way, because if you just see someone for the first time, you saw her at the shopping center, you come up to her, she's taking her money out of the ATM, hey sister, are you interested in marriage? It's not gonna work, is it? This is gonna freak out. <laughs> or the other way, sister comes and goes, Hi, salamu alaykum. Are you interested in marriage, brother? I mean uh, it doesn't work that way. So you gotta I mean it's not haram. But it's creepy. You know what I'm saying? So be a bit smooth. A Muslim can be smooth, but not in a haram smooth way, in a halal smooth way. One brother said to me, Brother, wallahi, there is a sister at uni I want to meet. her." uh, Back in uni, my days, this is what we did as well. You go to the prayer room at the university, and that's what I advise all young people. If you go to university, all right, Or Taif, look for the prayer room, the Muslim prayer room. I promise you, man, the resources there are amazing. And the brothers and sisters that you meet there, some of them could even be your professors, right? Fourth year in your course, they will give you guidance, they will teach you things. And I've seen people getting married from meeting potential spouses there in a halal way, alhamdulillah, in a controlled environment. And there are people there who would advise you and guide you. You know, you have some people there who are like uncles and aunts. They can in the university and you have brothers and sisters so we used to sometimes i had a brother who one brother said can i ask this sister i said well if you're bold enough and courageous enough you can approach her and 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 kindly ask her in an indirect way if you can sort of be smart about it or you can send a maybe a, a family member a sister if you have or a cousin who can talk to her or maybe a friend who knows her or a relative of her, says there's nobody. And I'll say, well, okay, you can approach her, it's not a problem. Or maybe send a letter, find out her email, maybe send an email, something like that. Alhamdulillah, and a lot of them, they approach and they talk, and it works out, alhamdulillah, and then they get to know the family. But the point is, brothers and sisters, and in Islam, it's not that strict and rigid. You can make moves, so long as it's respectful, and it's not in seclusion. So you and, and her, or you and him alone in one little room, it's not allowed in Islam. At the mosque, ask your friends ask, look in gatherings of occasions, take recommendations, uh, seeing them in a shopping center, maybe you can try and uh, find out if you have someone with you, you have a cousin or someone or something like that, or they work there, maybe you can get someone to indirectly ask them. Um, You know, so so, uh, subhanallah, online, you can even do that if you like, but just be cautious with people online. There are some matchmaking places, Muslim matchmaking places that people have told me about them. I I don't recommend them because unfortunately a lot of uh, men go on there, they waste our sister's time. But I mean, just be cautious and be careful. You haven't done any sin, it's not your fault. So, uh, inshallah, this is open. Now, brothers and sisters, here are some important matters. If you've decided to get married and you know who you want to go and ask for, right from the beginning... These are important matters that you've got to keep in mind that you want to find out about each other. Don't just jump into it with emotions and feelings because he's got a nice jawline. Or his beard is like a lion and so beautiful and it just blows in the air. Or a sister, mashallah, look at those eyes, look at those lips. No, no, brothers and sisters, all of this, look at that sweet talk, look at his... These things, brothers and sisters, they're later, later. Later you can talk about them. That's when you get married and and these are things you keep to yourself. Every person has their own type of beauty. Not every man look at beauty in the same way. Not every woman look at beauty in the same way. Everyone has their own sense of beauty. Wallahi, I know men who love nothing else but the neck of a woman. Would you believe that? That's what they love that. Some people love the feet. Would you believe that? Do you believe me? You don't believe me. I don't care if you don't believe me. It's the truth. And there are studies about it, guys. Man, we live in times where people fall in love with their table and chair. Would you believe that? Yeah. They fall in love with their phone. They call it their wife or their husband. Wallahi. With animals. Sorry about that. But wallahi, we live in these times, unfortunately. And one day I have to talk about this. Unfortunately, something as silly as that we need to talk about. I remember once a a school wanted to visit the mosque. And they came along. We had some teenage girls with them, 15, 14. And the teacher goes, Vanessa, here. Stacy, here. Chair and table. Wallahi, he said chair and table. He says, we call them chair and table? He says, yeah. They identify as a chair and table. They took it seriously. Anyway, let's move on so beauty is in the eye of the beholder (laughs) that's what i'm trying to say let's move on inshallah now my advice to you when you talk and we'll go through these i'm going to give you 13 topics of discussion to plan to talk about inshallah you don't have to talk about them all at once it's not an interrogation number one what do you think of this number two number three number four no you don't have to do that As you go and visit and you see her, and my advice to you is to visit her at her parents' house. Visit each other at family situations because you get to know more about the person in their uncomfortable zone or the zone where everybody knows you. So what I'm saying is get these topics, 13 questions or discussions to plan to talk in the course of getting to know that person. It's up to you which one you want to choose, how you want to say it, inshallah ta'ala. There's no, there's no easy way of opening up any topic these days, especially when you, when you want to get married. Butterflies are in the stomach, you're nervous, you're sweating, right? One brother, he was so nervous, he didn't get to know this woman for so long, right? For, for more than one day. His mother said to him, she's good for you, son. He said, if you say she's good for me, I don't even need to look at her. So they go and do the wedding. The first time he saw her was on the wedding day. He was happy. On the night when they went home, he didn't know what to say because they haven't talked yet. So he kept looking upwards and sweating, and then he goes to her, so how's your mother? (laughs) How's your mother? So this is why you need to talk and get comfortable a little bit in a supervised environment. Best to talk about yourself first. My advice to men is to talk about yourself first. Now obviously there are extrovert men, introverted men, there are shy men and outward men. Sometimes the women are like that. One time I was doing a marriage for a couple, and the brother, he looked shy. The sister, she was talking. And then I said, brother Yani, uh, don't always buy her flowers. Sometimes you can do some recreational activity with her, you know, buy some chocolates together. And then she jumped up, she goes, who told you I like chocolates and flowers, man? That's how she says it. I don't like chocolates and flowers. What do you like? I like going on motorbikes, on skiing, and all that stuff. I said, "Well, it's, that's you're all right with that." He goes, "I love that." I said, "Go, go for it." So, brothers and sisters, you got to understand each other's language. Anyway, so once you start, it's nice. I, I say, men, you can start off a conversation and start off with icebreakers. Something everybody talks about. Talk about the weather. Crack a joke. Compliment something in, in their house, around her. Try to avoid complimenting features at the moment. Leave that till later. Talk about things that are neutral. You know, icebreaker. There is a nice little book that talks about communication. There's lots of books that talk about communication. Get a book to learn about communication. Read a few pages and go in, inshallah. That's a good idea. Uh, so, the first thing, one of the, one of the things to talk about is how... You view marriage life. You can ask her or she asks you, you ask him, how do you view marriage life? What's marriage life to you? How do you, how do you envision marriage? What's marriage to you? How do you see a husband-to-be and a wife? How do you think their relationship should be? How do, how should they, what, what is marriage life to you? What is family marriage life? How do you see it? You can start by saying, can I talk? You can say, for example, you know, uh, I grew up, thinking of marriage and you know that it's like this and i look at my parents and this is the view i have about marriage sometimes opening this up will entice the other person to project and to mirror you and to sort of talk as well so talking about marriage life is a discussion that you need to bring up some way or another and start your conversations of course sentence starters around that topic and then you branch off and you have a nice conversation another time you can talk about a second thing and i think these are crucial points a second one is what qualities would you like to see in a spouse or you might start with yourself and say you know qualities i like to see in a spouse that people always ask me this question they say what qualities do you like to see in a spouse so you can see how i'm talking right now too it's very casual don't make the person feel intimidated or anything like that try as much as you can and then she or he will say what do you what do you like seeing in a spouse because they're also ready to know too right And you say, well, uh, this is what I like in a spouse. I like to see this or that. And they talk about the things that you like to see. Every person is different. And any other person will talk to you. So that's another topic to ask and talk about. Number three, you need to talk about each other's family dynamics. You have to, have to, have to bring family and culture into it. We don't have this Hollywood movie where it's just Romeo and Juliet. Oh, they ended up killing each other. We're going to talk about a Hollywood movie where in the end... They live happily ever after and they walk together in the sunset as if there's no one in the entire world but them two. SubhanAllah. Them two and the sunset. No, when you get married, you know, just two people get married, families are coming together, cultures are coming together. Sometimes even whole tribes are coming together, depending on where you're coming from. So you're coming to the whole marriage and to the whole family. You need to know who you're dealing with the in laws the family. You're going to have children, inshallah. Those children, they want their grandparents. They want their uncles and aunts. You've got to look at family. What's the dynamics in your family? And while you're talking about that, talk about how do you get along with your family? What's your relationship with your mum and dad, your siblings? You can start talking about yourself. Say, gosh, you know, I've got a brother. We are so close. Me and my sisters, we're kind of So talk about that and open these discussions. Talk about culture. I remember once I did a marriage for a couple and the sister, the wife, said to me, brother, what's this? I said, what? She's got a baby with her and another child over there. I'm thinking, here we go. She said, I never knew that every Wednesdays we have to go to his father's house for a barbecue. So he never talked about this before. He never knew. He goes, no every wednesdays because we we'll I have to go every wednesdays his father he turns around and goes brother brother brother." ask her wallahi from day one we got married every fridays we have to be at her her father's house i said so what so what if you go don't you love your husband yes don't you love your wife He goes, why did you do it he says for her why do you do it she goes oh for him i said all right well then alhamdulillah that's what marriage is about it's about giving and taking give a little bit of yourself he gives a little bit of himself you have to compromise a little bit some things you might be uncomfortable with for the sake of your marriage do it that's what marriage is about but anyway you got to talk about these things culture one brother said I, I have this a lot of brothers they talk about this and that's another question and that is about living arrangements living arrangements and family dynamics are very close some cultures are very strict and they put pressure on the son. That he and his wife the daughter-in-law must live with their parents and this is a very hot topic for a lot of people and i can tell you outright brothers and sisters that islam does not recommend for couples to live to, to for the daughter, for the father uh, sorry the husband to pressure his wife in living with his parents or with anybody else a wife has a right to her own dwelling to her own little dwelling. Even if it's in the back, let's say there's a granny flat, the point is it's her own. She has her own privacy, her own home. That's the therapy for a wife. And to make her home nice, and she is the queen of the house, she does whatever she wants. Brothers and sisters, it's actually oppression and zulm, zulm in Islam, to pressure or force the wife to live with your parents. Some people might say, but what if we're in financial difficulty? I say to you, that's why you have the period of engagement. You need to talk about these. These are crucial points to talk about. You must talk and agree on them right from the beginning. Very important, brothers and sisters. I've seen many fights happen between mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. Sometimes she wants to put a hijab on. Maybe if she doesn't wear the hijab, she can't feel comfortable. The brothers come in, the brother-in-laws come in, sometimes the sister-in-laws, everybody visits. It's the parents' house. She has no privacy. Sometimes they clash. Mum wants, you know, to organize the house this way. She can't do anything. They clash. Brothers and sisters, this is important to know, inshallah. Have good conversations with your parents. Well, I see this all the time happening. Tears, cries, tension, separation and divorce as a result of not talking about living arrangements, and dynamics of family and all that my brothers and sisters some people they say to me but if we talk about that it's too tense we start fighting I said it's better fighting now than when you get into your marriage and fight that's the whole point of engagement that's the all point of meeting and talking right let's move on to another one how you each spend your free time so what are your hobbies do you do community service work Uh, do you like going to the movies, do you watch things, do you like going on Netflix, do you like going on social media, do you have Facebook, what do you do, what pictures do you like putting on, these are very important to talk about in this day and age. You might even talk about what's cheating to you when it comes to social media. It's very important, some people are very, very sensitive about this point. So discuss these matters about social media, what you like and dislike, and they can talk to you as well. We move on, finances. Finances. You must open a way to talk about finances. If you can't talk together, talk with her father as a man, or talk with the brother, or maybe get someone else to talk with her or someone else to talk with him. But you must talk about finance financial arrangements. Maybe as you get more comfortable to talk and share later on, you can talk about financial management. For example, work, managing the money. Is it your money and my money together? Or is it your money is my money and my money is your and my money is my money? Let me repeat that. Is it your money and my money together? Or is it your money and my money? Or is it your money is my money and my money is my money? Is that how it goes? Yeah. It doesn't matter which one you want to go with. So long as you agree. Have fun, whatever you like. I'm not going to tell you whose money to... But honestly, I just want to say something. That word, your money, when when in Islam, I, I've even... Heard speakers say this and everybody claps for them. Yay! Look in Islam, they say. How many rights the woman has, they say. It's true, they have a lot of rights. They have equal rights to men. Equal, but not exactly the same, but they are equal in number. However, they come and tell you, look at the woman. Her money is her money and his money is her money. Ha ha ha. Everybody claps. That's not true. I'll tell you, it's not true. That's not what Islam says. What Islam says is, her money is her money. That is true. But not all of his money is her money. Part of it, and it's not money. What the husband has to do is that he must provide for his wife and his children all their needs of living, shelter, clothing, food, protection, security, their needs. He is responsible For their needs and their livelihood. Depending on how generous he is. The more generous he is, the better of a husband he is. That's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He praises a husband who's generous. Which, by the way, you need to talk about finances. You'll understand how generous the person is. How they spend their money. Are they good at finances? Are they not? And this is a very crucial point to understand these dynamics. So, brothers and sisters, he is responsible, part of his wealth, to go onto his family, but not all of it. Same with the wife. Wife keeps her money moving on uh, just on the side point i remember a couple they were arguing about money and the sister said if my husband lends someone money should he tell me should i know should i know where the money is going i said look this is an agreement between you two but in my opinion you should know as a wife why because sometimes You don't know who's going to die. And there's inheritance properties. Doesn't the wife need to know what's going on, what's happening? For example, she has a right to part of that wealth if there was inheritance. So if a person has a trusting wife and a trusting husband, and trust is the first thing, there's nothing wrong with saying, talking about money and wealth and so on. Uh, If you don't trust them, well, you can do some other things. You can do what that soccer player did. What's his name? Huh? Hakimi. What did he do? Do you know what he did? What did he do? <laughs> yeah, he gave all his money to his mom. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, what I'm, gonna, I'm not going to comment about that. I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, trust is very important. Before you get married to someone, you need to know if you can trust this person. So that's why you talk about these matters. If there is no trust, there is no relationship, as you can see. You're not happy, you're too scared to to show your finances, you're too scared to go and come, you're too scared to do anything because you don't trust each other. So trust, transparency, time, talking, and tolerance is important in a marriage. The five T's. Another thing to open up is uh, your social life. Talk about your social lives. Introvert, extrovert, uh, these are very important. Uh, Knowing a person's friends is very important. Because the friends can tell you a lot about yourself. And usually you've got to investigate. A good thing is to look on social media, ask other people about them. There's nothing wrong with that. Number eight, talk about children. Having children. And raising them. Educating them. And very importantly, naming them. I'll repeat it. Naming them. What did I say? Naming them. This is a big thing. I've seen couples fall apart over the naming of a child. Some people are very strict with culture. And some people, their parents, are, they, they interfere too much. That's why when I told you talk about family and, their, and how they are, you'll open up these other areas that will tell you a lot about the person and yourself. Look, there's no right or wrong answer here, brothers and sisters. I'm not telling you what the answer should be. What we're telling you is these are factors that you guys need to learn about. And then decide. Go home, think about them, and then make a decision. Don't be hasty. But naming a child, do you want children in the first year, second year? What do you think about children? How many children do you anticipate having? You can't say, well, that's up to Allah. Well, okay, it is up to Allah, but do you like having children? Do you not like having children? First year, second year, what do you want to do? So these things open up a great discussion. Naming a child is very important. I've seen couples, they fall apart because the father or the mother, they pressure for example the son to name the, fa- the the child after the dad's name in my culture it's i've got a culture like that up in the village in lebanon you got to, and some a lot of arabs they got to name the first child of the first oldest son by the father the grandfather's name and if you don't you're like almost an outcast or you're frowned upon or they always look at you differently so you have got to talk about whether this is a big thing in your in your culture or whether it's not you might have a spouse or a future wife who says to you, no, I think a mother should name the child. I, I, I carried him. I did. And I will tell you a lot about her, about her personality and how she thinks, whether she's good for you or not. So brothers and sisters, these are important. And the last, thing, last three things, inshallah, ask about future ambitions and goals, especially career. How important is your career to you? My career is like this. Very importantly also to ask about number 10, health issues, health issues, disabilities. If you're embarrassed to talk about them, get someone else to explain that to them. It's very important, brothers and sisters. You don't want to get married, and later on you find out severe health issues or deformities or disabilities. That's uh, haram in Islam to hide these things. I've had cases like that before, and they say, well, the brother who married her, he hid something. He hid that he used to have another mistress, and he had two children from her. And they wanted to get divorced he says, no, I, you know, you've got to give me the mahr. Another, another uh, brother married another sister and she had another deformity. She didn't tell him about it because I was embarrassed. It's none of your business and why can't you accept me that way? It's a right of both the husband and wife to know anything that will place attention on the marriage in relation to their personal self. Uh, number 11, the past. I know. You've probably looked it up. A lot of sheikhs and imams said, it's none of anyone's business to know about your past. Allah forgives all sins. Yes, that is true. That is true. People should not expose their past sins. That is true. That is a general blanket rule. But I'm going to just let you think about something. You know yourself. Some sins of the past are not that easy to just dismiss. Stay with me. Stay with me. You with me? Okay some sins of the past between telling a potential spouse cannot be easily dismissed you have to think is that sin of my past going to show up in my marriage again does it have the potential I'll give you an example if a person used to be on drugs before and they were addicted and it was hard how long ago was it if drugs can come back into the marriage. Not in the beginning, but later on it can. Because people take drugs often either for recreation, or when they get addicted it becomes mental issues, depression and all of that stuff. In a marriage there's going to be ups and downs. A person can resort back to the drugs. Is it important to talk about it? In my opinion, wallahi, you don't have to take it, it's important to talk about it. But of course, there has to be respect, and people have to cover up for their sins. Sometimes a person may have had multiple relationships in the past. Now, it's up to you to say it or not say it. It's not a problem. I I had a few young people, couple, who call me and say, look, you know, this guy has asked for me. Listen, a sister said, a guy has asked for me. Even brothers, they say to me, I want to ask for this sister. But, you know, I had a girlfriend before, and... um, And I've committed zina a few times and sister says things have happened, what should I do? And look, you don't have to say it outright, you can hint it, you can send someone to say it in a different way. I've helped a few young people when they've come to me and I said look, you know, if you want I can talk to the person. And I've done it before in a very respectful and in a way that is a hint without putting the other person on the spot. Now the reason we say that sometimes what happens if you get married, and that is something that is important to you, if you want to ask that question, you can ask that question. But the other person does not have to answer the question. And then it's up to you if you want to go ahead or not. Let's say they ask you the question and says, look, my sins are in the past, I don't want to talk about them. Well, that's up to... Sorry, I scared you. Well, the other person can say, well, you know, I don't want to go ahead. Or you go ahead at your own risk. However, talking about it, I think, is important even in some way. I know couples who got married later on and when they found out about their past they came back uh, pictures came up things like that and it caused it caused the trauma you know between them distrust so sometimes I say it's good and at times I say maybe and at times I say it's none of their business it's none of their business if it's totally in the past you've got people for example who have converted to Islam reverted to Islam or people who repented to Allah and the other person is asking for them, they know that they had, you know, a non-believing life or they were in a sinful life. You don't have to talk about the details. You can say, look, I lived a sinful life and I didn't know and I have repented. That's it. You don't have to say much more than that, inshallah. But just remember this, anything you know that will creep in from the past into your marriage later on, that you know potentially will, there's a chance it will and will cause a tension, my advice is to hint about it. Mention it in some way. Allahu a'lam. But again, brothers and sisters, I'm not telling you you have to. I'm just talking from experience I've seen later on. These problems happen. Allahu a'lam. And I hope, inshallah, I'm right. Allahu uh, a'lam. Criminal records. I've been in prison before, for example. No, I haven't been in prison. I'm saying that if a person says I've been in prison before, you need to say these things. Because that's going to affect the family as well. And lastly, how would you want a wedding? You might be thinking, oh, is that important? It's very important. In fact, saying how you want a wedding and the details of it will tell you so much about the mindset of the person, about their family, about your family, to see if things can get along. I've seen families have fights in weddings over things that weren't clearly talked about before. Some couples have divorced and divided and had fights over a wedding dress, over a ring, over uh, the bouquet of flowers, uh, over the car type, over the hall, over the table, over I don't know what. (laughs) Oh man, have I got stories for you. But I don't want to say too many stories because it could be people in our community who might think I'm talking about them. I'm not talking about anybody, but this happens everywhere, brothers and sisters. So it's important to talk about these things. Are there any questions from my brothers or sisters? Yes, Habibi. Why is marriage important? So you can be born. Your mom and dad got married, didn't they? And then you're born. Do you see? So you can come out. You can exist. What's your name? Hamza, mashaAllah. So marriage is important so that children can happen. Mom and dad can love each other. You can have grandparents. You can have uncles and aunts. And you have a big family. Big families come from marriages. You get it? Do you get money on Eid? If your mom and dad didn't get married and you didn't have big families, you wouldn't get any money. You wouldn't even be born, I think. <laughs> you got it, Habibi? Obviously, I'm answering a young kid, brother and sisters. So, uh, yes, Habibi. Yeah, good question. Yep. Married or not married? Well, brother is asking, uh, what, what would you do with teenagers who uh, want to come up, who want to get into relationships and talk to you and you talk to them? And what about the ones who are married? Well, yeah, look, it's obviously it's a long advice. Simple advice, yeah, first of all, You've got to know that your teenagers are now older and they see themselves as very, very important. They see themselves as right in a lot of ways, right? And they probably don't think that you know as much about them as what you think you know. So have that in mind, number one. Number two, I would say that you need to establish a friendship with them and say to them, for example, you know, son, daughter, you can always talk to me about anything you like. You know, when I was a little kid, um, I, I had relationships that I wanted to get into, and I didn't know what to do. Um, you know, I, I was like you. I, I, uh, I, would, I would have uh, sensitivities. I'd be embarrassed. I would think my parents don't know. Say, no, I've been there and done that, and try us out. I'm just here for you, Dad. And whatever, any time you need to talk about it, we'll talk. Sometimes you might sit down and talk with, say, um, your wife, and you open up a discussion in front of them, so it's called passively. And you say, you know, what do what you, darling, how did we meet? Talk about your story, about your relationship, and how you met with, with their mum. I think story is letting the guards down, letting them see that how you were once there and did that, opening up some of your vulnerabilities. Um, I think, inshallah, will allow them a door to open up to you. So, and don't pressure them tell them, tell them how much you respect them, tell them, son, daughter, you know, you're old enough now, mashallah. Allah has told me to protect your privacy, but I don't want to tell you, I'm always here for you, and you know, now you've come of age, anything you need to talk about, talk to me, to mum, and then every now and then, as I told you, talk about yourself, talk about your, you and your wife, how you met, uh, talk about relationships in, with your wife in front of them. So I think, inshallah, this is a good way of opening the door. If you've got married children, same thing. Because this is in the Hadith or the Kai, the, the rule in Islam is uh, anything that is halal that brings about something that is wrong, then that halal becomes Haram. So if I'm going to do something, and I know that that's going to bring something even something Haram, then I don't do it. I know, brother, I know. So brother here is saying, uh, when I say I know, it means I know what what, what your question is. Sorry about that. I don't know everything. Brother, the uh, brother's asking this question about when living together with the in-laws, what if the uh, parents are elderly and they're sick and they need you to live with them? And yes, of course, that is a very valid thing. and That's a difficult one. See, when that happens, if you know that they are very sick and they do need you, then you need to talk about that with that potential spouse beforehand. You have to. All right? If they got sick later on and it requires you that you move out of your dwelling and move in with them to look after them in some way, again, you need to talk with your wife about it. You can move in. You can move closer. You cannot oblige her even when they're sick to live in their house. That's a sadaqah and a charity from her. But obviously that would cause tension. So in that case, it's a difficult one. You need to try and get through it together and try to minimize. I always say to people, when you have a problem, work through four, four things. First one, solution. So in this case, solution is to go and live there and she agrees with you and everybody's happy. That's a solution. 90% of cases, you can't solve them. So you go to the next one, minimise it. Instead of living there, live close to there. Or talk with your siblings, and each one shares a night at your parents' house. I know some people who do that. So minimise the problem. Share it with your siblings, each one sleeps there, and your wife would agree with you. She can't say no to you to go and sleep a night or two nights with your parents and share them living close to them going to them in the daytime and then someone else at night so this is minimizing the situation number three is employing the situation that's the third stage see how you can delegate so for example getting somebody to come in and care for them and pay for them pay for your siblings and say look i can't do it but i will pay i'll give money i will buy things from outside you know i will do other matters Right, it's employing the situation and if that even doesn't work subhanallah you make dua <laughs> and you try your best so unfortunately i have seen marriages that do break apart as a result of this but really this is what, why when you get married Alaihi did tell us that it's not only somebody who prays and fasts or is a muslim is enough you also got to look at the character and your upbringing you got to look at the personality the values that the person has their family dynamics. Some people are very stubborn, they're harsh, they're dominant, they're controlling. So you gotta got study these things beforehand. And that's the safest thing inshallah. Otherwise, subhanallah, it, it does cause chaos sometimes. Anyway, khair inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assist everyone. Yes, brother. A brother's asking, is there a maximum of time that a husband can be away from his family, from his wife? In the Qur'an and hadith itself, primary sources, I don't know of any direct text that says how long. All the Qur'an and hadith say is live with them reasonably and give them their rights and be generous to them and make them feel secure and so on. But Umar ibn al-Khattab, anhu, in his time when he was the Khalifa, he used to take the soldiers with him to the battlefield and sometimes they would stay long. And one day he's passing by and uh, news came to him about a woman who was alone, a wife. And she said poetry about how she's going through a hard time without her husband and how she says, I fear sin upon myself without my husband and I fear the fire. And he knew what she meant. So he went and asked his Hafsa, uh, his daughter, عنه, and says, how long can a woman, uh, stand, stand a common woman, last and keep going in, in every... Way in her, in her emotions and feelings and security and all that stuff uh, with her husband away, and she said four months. And then from that day, he made a rule men should not go to war for more than four months, but that's a war. And he would return them back. Some scholars went for four months, but the truth is, brother, everybody's different. Some women can't even be two days without their husband, some women a week. Some people in the beginning of their marriage, they're more closer together. They can't just stay away. And then as they get along and children come along, it's easier to be apart. So it depends. You got to, You, as a husband, you need to look and know your family. You need to know what kind of wife you have, the circumstances, their needs, the place you live in, the uh, social norms that you, you took her in, the culture, the family. Some people marry sisters who come out of a family where she was pampered all her life. Her father's always there giving her. You've got to understand that she's going to be pampered, right? I'm not saying she's a bad person. She could be really good in other ways. Some people marry a woman who's gone through a really hard life, and her family's always away. Well, if that's your case. So you've got to look at the circumstances. She could be ill. She could be pregnant. She could be breastfeeding. She could be any circumstances. So it's case by case, All right? I hope, inshallah, that answers the question. Uh, yes, Rabbi? Ah, good question. You've asked a very good question. (laughs) I I love Dr. Zakir and he's beautiful. What? Oh, the brother. The brother has asked a very good question. He is asking, what is the ruling on marrying men, marrying from the people of the book and vice versa? Ah, I added that one. You didn't ask it, did you? It's my fault, okay, I put myself in a trap. In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it permissible for chaste men, chaste Muslim men, to marry chaste chaste women from among the Jews and the Christians, and among the Muslims. And he allowed us to eat from their slaughter, slaughtered meat as well. It's halal. Halal to eat from Jews and Christians, slaughtered meat. Brother's asking, uh, what is the ruling about? men Muslim men marrying women of the people of the book Christians Jews well brother look this is a very difficult question because there's so many variables involved where you live the circumstances what does chaste mean what are the consequences what are the laws surrounding it that will affect you when the verse came down it talked about an ideal situation where people lived in Muslim countries It was governed by Islamic law, sharia. And Christian and and Jewish women were chaste, meaning... Chaste means that, and even for a Muslim woman. So Muslim woman, Christian woman, Jewish woman, chaste, meaning they weren't known for... uh, How can I say it? No, 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 not zina. More than that. So they used to hire themselves and, and known to sleep around. You know, she hires herself and sleep around, I'm answering him. But if somebody's committed zina, it doesn't mean that they're not chaste. They could repent. That's why I said not zina. So they're known to pr- promiscuity. They, they keep doing all that. So usually, I don't want to say the word. You, you know what I'm talking about. But other than that, they can marry them. And that's just to create harmony and existence and coexistence. But not the other way around, because in Islam, in an ideal situation, a Muslim woman marrying a Christian man or a Jewish man meant that he had authority over the house, her and the children. And Islam wouldn't give up the children to a Christian or Jewish man. Now in our time, I do not recommend Wallahi for any, that's a very good question, any brother, Muslim brother or any Muslim sister, to marry a non-Muslim spouse. I'll tell you why, even if the Qur'an said Christian or Jewish. And look, I have to say, I have done marriages for brothers who married uh, Christian and Jewish uh, sisters. And I'll tell you why. But I don't recommend it at all. Why don't I recommend it? Neither man or woman. Here in this country, I have seen when divorces happen, when separations happen, when celebrations, Christmas, Eid, Easter, church, mosque, synagogue, parents getting involved, children becoming confused. I've seen a lot of clashes happen. And you know, marriage is about compatibility. It's about peace and tranquility between the two. And what happens is that a lot of the boundaries are broken and religious practice is restricted and there's always this, you can't get too religious afterwards. And there are certain things you want to do. You've always got to, uh, you've, you've always got to make a hundred different calculations. So it's, it's quite hard. It's quite hard, you know. They could be both good people, but it creates a strain on the marriage from a religious aspect. And then it creates a strain on children as well, and I've seen it a lot happen. And when divorces and separations happen, the mother automatically takes most of the time custody or um, children live with the mother most of the times if they are still children and the mother's fine, which is understandable. Children need their mother. And I've seen in divorces where ill feelings start to develop. And the mother or the father may teach the children against the other parent and, coming with that, also their values against their religious practices, against everything. A child starts to suffer in that sense. If she's a Muslim woman, even if there's tension and hatred between them, she'll still teach her children Islam and raise them as Muslims, right? Even if they never saw their father again. Now, I'm talking about generally. Not every single case is like that. My advice for the brothers, and it's a very good question, and our sisters, marry the person you're going to be compatible with, first of all, religiously and Islamically. I know many people that got married. One brother got married to a Christian sister. He said, brother, can you convert her for me? And his mother said, convert her for me. So what do you mean I'm going to convert her for you? I'm not God. I don't control her heart. You can't convert people. You don't force them into marriage. You don't make them become Muslim. You don't tell them you have to become Muslim by manipulating their love. That's a separate matter. It's got to do with that. So anyway, I remember that time I went and I said I'll speak to her about Islam. She's happy. She can convert. If not, it's up to her. So I went there and spoke and whatever, and her mother was there. And and in the end, she wasn't very convinced. I said, look, now I know that that they had been together for a while. Six years, I think. I've seen many couples like that. That's why I do their marriage. I just say, look, this is better than them to keep going like this with no strings attached and no contracts made. So I said, you can stay a Christian and marry him. She goes, I'm relieved. Her mother said, oh, we're so happy. We don't have to convert to marry, I They go, all right, thank you. I looked at him and her. I said, told you, man. You don't force her into the marriage, she doesn't want to anyway. They went to the church and did their marriage there under a priest the whole Father, Son, Holy Ghost. They went, they did the marriage with me, they did the circumcision for the child, then went and took and baptized their children. Christmas comes, they do Christmas, Eid comes, they do Eid. So they're living two religions, so there's a conflict in their values, their identity, their religion, their everything. And you might think, well, at least they're getting along. Love is everything. What about the love of Allah? What about the purpose that we've been living in? What about God, who created the man and the woman? And they're always stuck. It's not the only couple. There are many couples like that. Alhamdulillah, some of them, they do change. And the sister can, you know, truly loves Islam and becomes a good Muslim, alhamdulillah. And I've seen some of them, not many, where each one stayed in their own religion and the children were fine alhamdulillah and they were taught well and the the, the the Christian or Jewish wife respected it all and everything but that's when things are going well when things don't go well then the religion is going to be the f- among the first things that is going to be questioned now as i said this is not in all cases my advice to my brothers and sisters look if they convert if they revert to islam and genuinely alhamdulillah that's good i know a lot of brothers who that happened to them and their wives converted and Masha Allah, they're amazing, great role models. But to remain a Christian or a Jew and marrying them, I think there are just too many problems that happened and rise from that. My advice to you, brothers and sisters, is marry a Muslim. Um, it's better for you, more compatible. And even in times of conflict, at least, the din still stays somewhat intact. Is that a good answer? Is that kind of... All right. Sensitive love and emotions is very hard to deal with, I understand. Yes, brother. Yeah. In an ideal Islamic law situation, only the Muslim man can marry a Christian or Jewish woman. Because the laws support the upbringing of the child, and custody situations. Yeah. But even then, it's not advisable. There's a story about Hudhaifa ibn al-Yaman, sahabi, the companion, at the time of Umar, he married a Jewish woman. And he said to her, divorce her, ya He said, why? Is it halal or haram? He said, it's halal. He said, but I fear that you're a role model and most men are going to follow you and those women, the women of the people of the book don 't cover uh, don't cover and and you know abstain from interaction with men as much as the Muslim women, so then the Muslim men will see them more and then they will forget about the Muslim women and our Muslim sisters will stay um, uh, harder for them to find potential husbands while the rest of the men copy you and they go and focus on the Jewish and Christian women so that even in their time, it was not recommended. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Yes, Habibi. How is marriage half of your deen? Well, deen means your life. Your whole life. Isn't that right? It's your whole life. So when you get married, you get to You get to practice and do things in your deen that you couldn't do it when you're not married, for example. You get to look after children and raise them. If you're not married, you're not going to look after children and raise them. That's part of the deen. You get to share love and connection with a wife and a husband. If you're single, you're not going to be able to And all these are part of the deen. They make you closer to jannah. That's all I'm going to answer you, Habibi, because if we go more than that, it's going to be uh, MA rated. Habibi. <laughs> yes, last question. Is marriage, p- <laughs> is marriage part of the test that Allah sent us? Marriage is a test. It's like a trauma. It's like a torture. You know, I said the five T's. Trust, transparency, uh, time, talk, and tolerance. The sixth word is going to be torture. Brother, Habibi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made everything in life a type of test. A test doesn't mean that Allah wants to know, like the way your teacher gives you a test. It is a test where we test ourselves. We're testing ourselves. Because when you test yourself, you know you're, where you're strong, where you're weak, you start improving, you start working on yourself. Isn't that right? So marriage has tests in it. You start to learn how to communicate better so you know your wife says you know she gets upset with the way you communicate maybe you can change it maybe she can change it Um, you become in your money you maybe can be more generous you realize you're a bit more greedy so then you start being more generous in the family You start to work harder and you don't get lazy and then you learn about yourself so that's how it's a test but I want to tell you marriage is an act of worship that's what it is marriage is an act of worship Because when you get married under Allah, Allah rewards you for it. And it's an act of worship and brings you closer to Jannah just because of that. You're looking after each other, you're looking after human being, you're raising children. Allah loves that. Isn't that correct? That's all part of worship. Yeah, of course you will. Of course you'll be rewarded. How old are you? Thirteen. Yeah, just take your time. Don't get married tomorrow. Don't go up to your parents and say, I'm going to marry again. Take your time, just okay when you're ready, inshallah. <laughs> right now, look after your mum and dad. They're your worship, they're your act of worship right now. They're your act of test. Isn't that correct? Ah, mashallah. Yes, last one, last one. All right, last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brother is saying, it's a good question. There's, are there limits? When you inquire about a brother or a sister, are there limits about how much you can say about them? Of course there are limits. Here is, here's what the scholar said. You need to focus on what is serious. Don't focus on the little things. For example, drugs, violence, religious matters, doesn't pray, drinks, you know, eats pork, it has got very bad company, goes to bad places, deals with bad people. These are major stuff, right? You need to talk about them. And if you do know something good about him, you need to also mention the good in place of every bad. If you haven't got enough, then kalas, you've done your best. But it's halal to talk. But what's very important is that, brothers and sisters, you never talk about someone and expose them. Or tell other people if you heard about them If it's for purpose of marriage, it must remain between you, and it never goes out to anyone else. I know a brother who asked for a, uh, went to visit to ask for a sister in marriage. He had a, a bit of talk with her, and then when they left, his father left with him. He went with him because in the culture, our Lebanese culture, went with him. And it's out of respect to take your father to meet the family and honor the family. So the brother, the brother talked to this sister and then changed his mind. When he came out, his father asked him, what did you change your mind? He said, there's a reason, Dad, and no, I'm going to guard her, her trust. And you know, subhanAllah, I, I respected, his father told me about it. I respected that brother so much, subhanAllah. So not even your parents, just tell them, look, there is a reason, try your best to hold it. I remember one sister, she said, I knew something about a brother and my mother is pressuring me to know about it. I said, don't tell her. She says, what if, what if? I go, don't even tell her. I go, should I tell my dad? If you, if you tell your dad, is he going to tell your mum? She said, yes. I said, don't even tell your father. I go, what do I do? I go, I say, mum, I fear Allah, I can't tell you. And just smile, kiss her on the head, hug her and say, I love you. And just, you know, shower her with love and stay firm. So this is very important, brothers and sisters, not to expose other people, especially in marriage. Otherwise, you know, life won't go on. People won't be able to trust anybody like that. All right, brothers and sisters, I thank you. You've been sitting down for so long. Haada wa sallallahu anabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'i. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi